do it. Stop thinking. Just freaking do it. Go and do it messy. Now, I'm not saying to go and do it blindly or inexperienced. I'm saying to do it messy. If you're like me, you're a recovering perfectionist. All wedding planners are, (laughs) or they're still a perfectionist. We're all type A. And it's hard to do that. I understand. But get enough of a game plan. Get some get some stuff under you and just go. Hi, I'm Christy Winfrey, and I'm so excited you're here with me today. Welcome to the Not Just a Daydream podcast. Have you ever found yourself daydreaming about the life you wish you had? Yeah, me too. Well, for many years, I felt stuck, and I thought those dreams would only ever be just daydreams. Today, I now run a thriving six-figure virtual business that allows me to have the freedom to work and live from anywhere. I also teach others how to grow and operate a successful TC business of their very own. If you're looking for inspiration, motivation, and application, then this is the podcast for you. In here, we discuss business dreams, goals, and everything in between. Welcome to the Not Just a Daydream podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's show. I had the pleasure of interviewing Becca Tuttle. She is a wedding planner out of California, and we had such a good conversation. She really embodies the not just a daydream lifestyle, um, and she really took the things that she was daydreaming about that, that you know that she had a dream since she was a child of becoming a wedding planner. She took that, and we spoke about like the drive inside of her that she did everything she possibly had to, to make sure that that dream became a reality. And a couple of other things that we spoke about was, um, listening to your heart and knowing who you are and following that path, even though it may not seem like the most logical path and maybe what other people may perceive as being, um, not successful or maybe where you wouldn't get the most business. She really listened to what her heart was saying and knowing who she was. And then also um, we spoke about pivoting your business and just being open to those opportunities when opportunities arise, especially when you have to change your business. And maybe you didn't decide to change your business. Maybe the environment around you caused you to change your business. So There's so many great takeaways in today's episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. Let's dive on in. Welcome to the show, Becca. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, me too. Um, So go ahead and tell our audience um, a little bit about yourself. You know, how how did you get started in your business? Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I know we prefaced this a little bit earlier, but for everyone kind of now just listening to this, I feel like a story can go so many different directions and that's a beautiful thing. So I'll try my best to kind of keep it as linear as possible because I'm the queen of, I did a million different jobs to figure out what I would really wanted to do. Oh, I Um, no, I love that. I think all, you know, all paths um, definitely have a plan and a purpose and they can lead you in different directions. I couldn't agree with you more. And there's like, it's like a relationship. There's like things that you take from that relationship, friendship, romantic, any of them, where you're like, I really like that. I really don't like that. And you kind of piece together your perfect partner or your perfect friend. It's the same thing with work. I think some people think that it's a bad thing if they try something and they realize it's not for them. And it's almost like shameful thing if they were excited about it before and there's no shame in it. Like bounce right. around, figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And you pick up new skills and, um, and just like you said, new like 
things that you want in that next career as you're learning through this one. Exactly. I Yes, exactly. So to take it all the way back to baby Becca, like super baby Becca, actual baby Becca, I um, was a flower girl in my godmother's wedding at eight years old. And I, she had a wedding planner and I had no idea what that was. <laughs> and I was obsessed with her. She was so fabulous and like on it and fun, but organized and running the show. And I just thought that it was like the coolest thing ever. So it always kind of stuck with me. And in different capacities, both my mom and my dad are entrepreneurs. So Mm, very different worlds. My dad's in the science world and my mom was a journalist and she had her own newspaper. Um, So I, from a very young age, grew up around being creative and creating something for yourself. So when I saw that wedding planner and I have the background that I have that starting a business isn't scary, like go for it. I kind of was the weird kid that was like, I'm going to be a wedding planner and own my own business when I grow up when everyone else is like artist, firefighter, teacher. And I'm like, I'm going to own my own business and be a wedding planner. People are like, what? That's so specific. So specific. Um, So then like fast forward a whole bunch of years and a whole bunch of, you know, other jobs like working in a grocery store and women's fitness and all the things um, we landed in San Diego. I landed at San Diego State University to get my degree in business. And during that time, I interned for a private wedding planner um, who was amazing. And I also had a job working for Hyatt. Um, in their corporate events side. And between those two jobs, I basically was able to sort of, like we were saying at the very beginning of this, trial and error. What do I like? Do I like the private solo entrepreneur thing in weddings? Or do I like the stability and the predictability of a corporate gig still doing events, but it looking very different? Yeah. And I really liked both. I really did. And after a couple like a couple months in the corporate side at Hyatt, I did realize that I preferred private events, mm-hmm. but I didn't know if I preferred working for like Hyatt or something like Hyatt in a like a corporate setting as far as my job goes, but for private events. Right. And we did a lot of military balls because it was in San Diego and we did oh, that's a lot of weddings because destination, like all right. of it. So we were doing mm-hmm. those kinds of things. But there were a lot of restrictions. And this is no knock to Hyatt. This is how every large ballroom hotel does it because they need to streamline it because they have so much business uh-huh. that they – it's like package A, package B, and like a little bit of creativity in it, but not much. Yeah. And the type of clients that are booking there like that. They want mm-hmm. that. They mm-hmm. want that ease. Me as a, a creative, I did not like that. So I learned quickly that, yeah, I was 23 and I had a 401k and health and all these things. And I was like, oh, this is great. Not really understanding what it would be like to not have those things provided by somebody else. Um, I saw this life that the person I was interning for creating for herself and being able to say yes when she knew it aligned with her business and her like desires for the style she's creating and her clients, she didn't have to say no to them. And I loved that. So um, I basically concluded that I was going to continue working for Hyatt and learn as much as I could, but also save as much as I could until I was ready to go out on my own. Um, I was still in school. So I knew I didn't – some people launch while they're still in school and there's nothing wrong with that. I knew I didn't want to do that. 
Um, so after I graduated, I realized I also didn't want to be in San Diego. I realized I wanted to be back up north. I'm from Sacramento, California, a small town outside of it called Davis. Most people are like, oh, UC Davis. But I didn't go to UC Davis. I just grew up there. And that's where I live now. Um, but I knew this area was where I needed to be. It was just more my kind of people. Yeah. Um, but I also was the person that was like, I'm going to do it in San Francisco because the city, right? Like that's the dream. Uh-huh. Lived there. And the job I had there was the pivotal moment of like, okay, like I got the job and I was getting paid a lot for my little 26-year-old or what was I, 24-year-old self at the time in the city, single, having the time of my life. Um, you know, it, it kind of tempted me to, to not launch. And I was like, oh, maybe I don't want to own my own business. Maybe I want to do this. But you're going to laugh. The job was literally an outside sales position selling payroll. That's a, like so a, boring. Big difference from wedding industry. <laughs> what I don't yeah. what? Literally How did you end up in, in that? Uh, I went to a job. I knew I wanted to live in the city and launch my business, but let's normalize it. Most people can't launch a business without a secondary income, so I needed a nine to five in order for that to happen. Right. And I went to a job fair and looked for jobs in sales. I, wa- I knew I wanted something that was related to business so that I could continue learning something that I didn't know how to do, payroll being one of them. <laughs> and I really liked the manager that I would be working with. And we hit it off and he seemed to believe in me and he did. And I took the job and it got me into the city and it got me the paycheck that I needed in order to save. And I'm glad I did it because I learned a hell of a lot about payroll that I have to use now. Um And essentially, I learned quickly that in order for sales to work, you not only have to understand the product, which I didn't really fully, but you also have to like be super passionate and believe about it or people are going to see it as salesy and that like sleazy salesy, right? They're not going to see it as like a conversation of like, why wouldn't you do this? Because you don't really fully embody it and believe in it. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was a moment for me where I was like, what am I doing? Like, I can't sell anything, even though I'm amazing at sales, because I don't care about this. Right. And I had to really look inward and be like, what do I care about? And I care about weddings, which, you know, one of the things you and I talked about offline was like, why weddings? And I think a lot of people kind of going back to how I, I teetered in both, you know, I knew I wanted to be in events. There are people who are just born with the hospitality and service industry bug. And I had that. I worked in restaurants and did all of it. But I wasn't sure about corporate or or weddings. And people have a love-hate relationship with weddings. They either love them or they're like, do not touch me with a 10-foot pole. I don't want anything to do with weddings. And I was one of the people just like, don't, I don't want to touch corporate. Like I want weddings. Um, it's the, it's the story. It's such a it's such a moment. It's one of the big life milestone moments, and you have so much impact being a part of that. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is like the biggest reward. And I yeah. love it. I yeah. love it. And I I was very privy to understanding that by working for that other planner. I was like, this is it. This is great. The connection you have with the client. It was just unmatched than anything you can find in corporate for the most yeah. part. Of course, I'm generalizing. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's really cool to be able to be part of that story, you know, and, and I mean, yeah. and the wedding is about the bride and groom and everything, but you got to like create yeah. a, a story, um, story for them. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a very tender time. Like an engagement is, is a very, very small window of time. Um, and you get to be there for it. And it's really cool. It's really rewarding. So how did you, um, make the shift from the, um, payroll sales to (laughs) your wedding, wedding planning? Well, funny enough, um, I ended up parting ways with the payroll company. I won't go into detail there, but it was a little dramatic because I clearly wasn't happy and I didn't get fired, but I didn't like independently quit. It was like a conversation of like, maybe this isn't a good fit. And I was like, yeah, it's definitely not. (laughs) And so I had the choice. I could have continued and changed some things. Basically, there were like stipulations, like if you can continue to do these things, then let's Mm -hmm. keep working at it. If not, then maybe it's not a fit. It was a fair conversation. And and I was like, I, I took some time to think about it. I took the night and I was like, I woke up and I was like, I'm terrified to quit this thing. But like, I have the savings that I said I needed to save. I said I wanted to save three to six months worth of expenses in order to leave and do it. I did that. Go. Do it scared. Go. And I also knew at that point I had been in the city for almost a year. And I was like, this is fun. This is great. But this isn't – this is the same reason I left San Diego. It's just not conducive of the life overall that I really want to provide for myself and my future family. Um, So I – moved out of my city apartment and quit the job and moved in with family back in Davis and got a job at a restaurant serving so that I could continue some level of income while I launched. Right. I think that's in order to launch. Yes. And I think that's so important because it's, especially if you're, if you are the only person supporting your bills, it's so important to have a, a runway of savings and, and have some kind of supplemental income. And luckily nowadays, like there's so many different things that you can do to bring in um, extra income. You know, let's say you, you the business you're going to start, you have to work during the day. Mm. Well, you could wait tables in the evenings or you could drive for DoorDash or Uber yes. or something like, you know, like there's so many opportunities now yes. that we didn't used to have. Um, so I love that I, you said that. Go yeah, ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I just... um. I, you know, I know whenever I was starting my business, I had to, I had to wait tables on the side and, you know, it's just one of those things that, yeah, exactly. It's like, but you are trying to create that, that life you envisioned. And sometimes you just have to like put your nose down and, and grind and hustle for a time. You know, I don't think you have to hustle forever, but for a time you get your business started. Yeah. I, everything that you're saying in the sense of like, hustle, right? Like there's, I'm part of it. Like I'm an, I'm, I have a very negative connotation with like hustle culture because I do firmly believe it'll take you longer to not, you know, be a 24 seven hustle, get your, your goals, but you'll be happier not doing that. So like, don't forget about the life you're currently living. Don't always look at the end, like enjoy the now and to enjoy the now you cannot burn yourself out. So I love that you said that because there are seasons though, while you're trying to accomplish something where there's going to be a little bit more hustle than others. And, and you need to lean into that. I think there's this also this flip side of the coin where people are like, I want to work three days a week for two hours a day and make hundred K months. And it's like, that takes time. 
It does. It takes years to yeah. get there. Yeah. And what are and you doing pr- during those years? You're not working three days a week for two hours. Right. You're hustling. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 people need to be aware of that. Like those yeah. people also went through a season of, you know, probably yes. working 12, yes. 15 hour days. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, but it's only for a time. And, and I think if, if yes. you can embrace that, but I love what you said too, is like the, it, you've said it a couple of times and maybe not like just directly, but you thought about the kind of life you wanted to create. You knew that, um, mm-hmm. you know, being in San Diego wasn't, wasn't ideally where you wanted to be. And so ideally you ended up wanting to be back in your hometown, yeah. but you ended up being in San Diego for a time. And then when you said, you know, that wasn't really going to be conducive for the life the life I wanted to build or my future family. I think that's so important of knowing who you are and, um, and embracing that because I would also imagine and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but starting a wedding planning business would, maybe you felt like you would have more opportunities in the city of being yes. in a bigger city than you would actually going into absolutely. a smaller town. So mm-hmm. can we touch on that? Because absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think this ties really nicely into what we were just talking about with like multiple jobs right? So my original thought, obviously San Diego is like a hub of weddings. So leaving that to start a wedding planning business somewhere else when I already had a network there could be seen as like dumb to do, to walk away from that. But I knew that it, to your point, it didn't, the, the whole lifestyle that would come with staying there for me, Becca Tuttle, well at the time, Becca Farrick, it wasn't what I wanted. And it doesn't mean that it's not what somebody else could want and thrive in. That's the thing. That's the key thing is like everyone listening, like when you listen to a podcast, what someone's saying worked for them, it doesn't have to work for you. And it doesn't mean either one of you have to fail for it to not work for you. Like it just depends on you and the life that you want to live. And that's so unique. And so for me, it, even though it was all right there, like it did, I didn't want that. I didn't, that didn't light me up. What lit me up was being close to my family and I like rivers and lakes and mountains over a beach. Like that is who I am. I can't like, that's me. Yeah. And um, going back to, into what you were saying, your question was. About uh, you moving from San, San Francisco. Yeah. From like, <laughs> so when it comes from, when it comes to being in the city, being in San Diego, these hubs where you're like, there's so much business opportunity here. That is true, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist elsewhere. Right. What it means is, who are you? What it means is you need to figure out who are you, who is your brand, and who do you serve? And where are they? Right. And for yeah. me, they weren't in the city. They were in the small towns outside of the city. Yeah. That's awesome. And so it made sense to move there because I'm going to relate to them more. And then tying this in is like leverage your network, right? So obviously we're, we were talking earlier about how it's okay to have a side job. You need some sort of other income while you're starting. I had four jobs. Oh, wow. Let's, At let's the same talk time? about this. Yes. Oh, wow. Four yeah. jobs while launching my business. I worked at the restaurant. I coached for a women's fitness program. So I was doing... Um, coaching classes at like 5, 6 a.m. I was working on my business. I also sold, I'm not going to name the MLM, but I also sold some products for an MLM. Uh And I also, wait, so, okay, let me count that. Am I missing one? 
Oh, and then I Lyft drove, like on my way home from work at night. Like picked up, a few, I would do a few rides on the way home from serving, because yeah. I was in a, a student area, and I was like, I'll get a couple rides and a little bit of cash, and then go home. Yeah, like it was crazy. exactly. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a lot. You probably, I mean, how many hours a day do you think you are working? At that time in my life, it was like sunups, like it was sunups and down. But I was a work hard, play hard kind of person. So like when I decided to take the day off, like I was, I was like, you know, bottomless mimosas at brunch through to going out with my friends at night. So like that was yeah. just the phase of life I was in. And I was saving everything I can and getting by and making it work while I launched. And that worked for me. But tying this into like leaving the city, leaving San Diego, like leaving where you're hearing is like the pool of you know, the target market. I leveraged my network. I got so many of my first clients, one from being back in my hometown that worked out well for me Two, I got it from my pool of friends from San Diego state that started getting married. Three, I got it from people I served at burgers and brew, which is the restaurant that I met my husband wow. at. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, he was my manager. Whoops. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, who hasn't been in a Lyft or an Uber drive where the driver is like, oh yeah, I'm doing this other thing on the side and like gives you their card or like tells you their handle and is like, this is the business I'm really doing. Mm -hmm. I was that mm -hmm. driver. <laughs> like, yeah. do you need to get a wedding planned? Like who's getting married? Like that's what I did. And that was my hustle stage. Like that's, that's where it kind of shifted from what do I want to do? Where am I passionate? Where are my passions lying? And then I found it and I just kept narrowing it in. With every choice that I made, I realized what was working and what wasn't working. And for me at the time, a lot of side jobs to keep income coming in while I launched my business worked well. Right, right. How did you know at what point with your business were you ready to let those side jobs go? Mm. Yeah. So I slowly like started to leave them. So Lyft was the first one because I was Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, she hated that I did that for a second. She was like, it's so dangerous. And I'm like, oh, I know. But yeah, but um, that was the first one to go. And I only did it every now and then after work. Um, but then it was the MLM. And then it was the women's fitness. No, actually, then it was the restaurant. And then it was the women's fitness. But at the time that I left the women's fitness one, I got hired by a venue in Sacramento to be their venue coordinator. But they hired me knowing that at the same time I was launching my business, I was officially launching. Oh, that's good. They let you do both. They let me do both. It was an agreement. We had a, I don't recommend going into this without like being very clear on like expectations. Right. And I'm a very honest person almost to a fault. So like if I had to take, like she would let me take calls for, at the time it was called events by Rebecca, but I would clock out. Even if she wasn't there, my boss. And I would clock out and do that and clock back in and do what I was doing for the venue called Beatnik Studios. Shout out. Hi, Lindsay. Um, but it, it worked really well because I was able to grow both of those businesses and I treated yeah. Beatnik like it was my own. That's great. So that's why it worked. Yeah. Yes. But um, that went on for like four years where I did both because it just worked. I, my plan was to leave in like two but it was working and I was building both of the businesses. You know, obviously I didn't have, I wasn't the only one building Beatnik. I had a, you know, I was part of a team there, but it was working really well. So it just kept growing both businesses. Then it did start to be like, okay, I'm one person. I can only do so much. 
for both of my roles were now plateauing yeah. on both sides. And then I started dabbling in coaching. This is the end of 2019. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah, of course I, I got let go because from everyone the, in our industry got let go yeah. from the venue. Yeah, yeah. Which was my steady income. I was two, so two weeks prior. 2020 is a really hard year for me to talk about because it was uh, like, I know people throw this word around now, but it really was a traumatic year. So we had just gotten married in January, 2020. We already had a, my son, Shane, who was a year and a half. Um, my business was doing really, really well. Beatnik was doing really, really well to the point where I had to make some shifts. I was starting to dabble in coaching and I got pregnant with our second baby. Penelope and got two beautiful weeks of life is really coming together. And then pandemic and the yeah. shutdown. And yeah. both my husband and I work in the service industry. He was a manager at a brewery. We both got let go. We're both on unemployment. I'm pregnant. There goes all of the savings that we had to buy a house into just living. Um, we lost over $75,000 in revenue on the wedding planning side of my business uh, because of cancellations and reschedules. And we just finished our last postponement in October, 2022. So it spanned over almost two and a half years. Yeah. Almost three years. Yeah. I can it was a lot. understand how, right? Yeah, that's it was a lot. And then being pregnant. I mean, now we can all think about like the start of COVID, like we can all think about COVID as like, oh, there's like all these solutions and it's fine and all these things. Right. Um, and I think sometimes it's hard for us to remember what it was really like in the very beginning and how scary it was health wise. Cause we didn't know anything. So it was just scary. And I was pregnant. And so when you're pregnant, like you can't take certain things and you can't do certain things. And now there was this fear of like everything indoor was shut down. My business was shut down. I was pregnant. I didn't know. I mean, you're hearing the horror stories of like babies getting room, you know, separated from moms at birth and because of a positive right. result and like all these crazy things. And then I live in California. It was the summer of like endless wildfires. Our hazard, the oh, level right. of air quality was beyond hazard. Yeah. So we couldn't own, we nothing indoor, everything off to, indoor was, was off limits. I had a toddler, was pregnant and trying to figure out my business. And then I couldn't even go in my backyard because it would hurt my baby. Mm -hmm. The air. It yeah, was a very hard time. But the reason I'm sharing all of this is because in that moment, I easily, and part of me sometimes is like, maybe I should have like, just been like, I'm done. For like a heart, like, like just for like a beat, like yeah. I'm out, like I'm just going to grow this baby. That's all I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause it was a lot, but that's just not right. how I'm that's wired. That's very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> and again, a very good thing that I'm not wired that way because this is what created the next thing in my story, which ended up being the best decision I ever made, which was staying, you know, uh, I got let go from beatnik and that was really scary. Um, when things started to get better, I got, had the opportunity to go back if it aligned for both them and myself and it didn't. So I was running my business full time for the first time. Sometimes people need it to be chosen for them. And I'm that kind of person. And it was chosen for me. And I 
instead of, I mean, I wallowed a bit, but instead of continuing to wallow and give up and be sad about what's happening with the wedding planning business, I was like, maybe this is freeing up the time that I never had to really dive into coaching. Because I had been dabbling in it for six months already, and I could only do so much because I just didn't have time with clients and events. Yeah. And now, now were you gone. coaching like other wedding planners? Other wedding planners. Yes. Okay. And so the pandemic hit, and nobody knew what was going on. And because I had already sort of established myself as a coach for wedding planners, mm-hmm. I started getting bombarded with questions and stories and cry sessions from other wedding planners having no idea what to do with their business right now and asking yeah. me. So instead of being like, I don't know, I'm also scared, I was honest and I said, I don't have the playbook here, but let's figure it out together. And I just sort of stepped in to Mm -hmm. being a leader for other wedding planners in that moment. That's awesome. And that's what catapulted my, you know, my program, Wedding Planner Roadmap, which is my signature 90-day group coaching program for wedding planners. And as bad as 2020 was, because I did this because I dove in, 2021 was our largest profit year since I launched three times over. Wow. That's incredible. (laughs) It was bananas. It was bananas. And that also started to feed, as things opened up, it started to feed the wedding planning business side. Now, the wedding planning, as anybody listening here, if you're in the wedding industry, as you know, it's still hard. Because people, now we have inflation, now we're in this recession and people aren't investing as much, but our expenses have tripled. So we're still kind of struggling. It's still not back to as great as it was prior to the pandemic. And that is not unique to me. That is everybody in our industry right now, but it's getting better and it will continue to get better. But the second part of my business, this coaching part, it's really funny because never in a million years would I have thought this would be really where my passion lies. And it is. I love weddings. I love my clients. I love my couples. I love that part of my job. But I love working with female entrepreneurs and helping them build not just a business, but a life that is theirs, that they get to claim and control and reap the benefits of all the freedoms that hard work really can grant you if it's yours. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really rewarding to see the change that takes place in somebody's life. Isn't it? Whenever, yeah, it really is. I love helping other entrepreneurs and, you know, and just help people win. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds so cheesy and almost like fake, but like when my students tell me their wins, I genuinely get super stoked as if it was my own win or even more because I'm just so proud of them. And I've seen them come from this point where they come to me. Most people that come to me like in their discovery call are really struggling. They're really stressed. They're about to either shut down their business or they're about to shut down the dream of owning their own business and to watch that transformation and just see them, like you said, win is like, how is this my job? This is so amazing. Right, right. Yeah, it, it really is a blessing to be able to help others and empower others. And yeah. uh, and like you said, you know, help them take them from the edge of the cliff to mm. to creating a life that they probably couldn't even dream about. Exactly. Yeah. Or it just felt like so far that it's like 
this dream isn't even for me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, no, it is. If you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to make the changes that you need to make in order for this to happen, it absolutely can be yours. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Definitely. Um, With the coaching, do you work with any like mindset type of stuff? Mm. Because I I would imagine some people come in not believing that they're worthy of that dream. Oh, almost every single one of them. Almost. It's very rare that I get somebody that comes in and is like, I know this is for me. Just give me the steps. Yeah, I have them and I love them. They're super fun to work with because they're so – they see a lot of progress quick because they don't get in their own way. But most people, I'd say 85, 90% of the people in my program really need help there. Um, and I'm glad you asked that because my right-hand gal in business, her name is Kate Balby. She is freaking boss. Uh, she's the director of events for Becca & Co., which is our wedding planning company. And she has a background in counseling. Okay. She's a trained certified life coach. And she did this in another, you know, in another life before kids and before working with me. And she was always my kind of mindset coach. <laughs> without calling it that, through business because she's been with me for all of it. And I had this moment where I was like, why aren't you helping my students? (laughs) Like there's these two sides of our business and you're on this side, but like, why aren't you also over here? Because they need you because I need you. And we, over the last year, have implemented her and we do a monthly CEO mindset call that she leads. And she's also just available in our Slack channel for any questions. She'll do one-on-ones with them whenever somebody's really struggling. And yeah, we got we talk about the hard stuff. We talk about partners who don't get it and aren't supportive. We talk about or are constantly challenging you on where what's your profit and why why isn't this working yet and you know all of those kinds of things. We no, talk when about when you say partners, you mean like spouses? Spouses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think that's um, super important. Yeah. yeah, and you know not to be like gender normed or whatever, but we have a lot of female entrepreneurs. That's just the nature of our industry. I think it's just why we have more of them. Um, Not right or wrong, just is. And a majority of the people in my program have a husband. Um, Not that they have to, but that's usually if there's a partner (laughs) that doesn't get it, it's usually a husband who works in a corporate nine to five situation. If it's a husband who also owns his own business, they're the freaking best and we love them and they're so encouraging and so great. And we have so many of them, but we have a lot of them who don't get it. <laughs> and so we've talked a lot about that. Makes sense. I mean, I think um, being an entrepreneur versus somebody who never wants to be an entrepreneur, like yeah. we're just wired differently. So and different. so, yeah, it's, it's. There's no right or wrong, but it's just hard for that person to um, to understand. And I think that's just it. Whether it's a partner, a husband, a wife, a friend, a parent, they're just not going to get it. Mm-hmm. And so if you're someone out there listening to this and you're trying to figure out, what am I passionate about? Okay, I kind of have this thing, but like, how do I even like – Everyone else seems to think it's silly. Like you need to surround you. Not saying your friends and family are bad people. They are not. They honestly, they probably have your best interest, what they think is your best interest in mind. Mm -hmm. But you need to surround yourself with somebody else who's dreaming. 
with somebody else who's creating, with somebody else who is figuring out what that passion looks like as a business. Because those are the people that are going to understand the conflict you have between like your brain and your heart and society and all these things in a way that the people who are just not an entrepreneur, no fault of their own, will literally never understand. No matter how close they are to it, they will just not, they won't get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I, th- I think that's so important. I think community is so, so important. And you know, they say like, now we're, we're more connected than ever yet lonelier than ever. And, mm-hmm. um, but there's so many, there's still so many opportunities to, to have community, maybe even more so now because of all the Facebook groups. And yeah, I met you in a Facebook group. And, I know. um, and so, you know, I think it's, we just have to put ourselves out there to, to meet. And it's scary to do that, uh-huh. but it's like, you're saying it's so much easier to do it now. It doesn't always have to be a networking mixer. It can't, it should, you shouldn't, you should put those in there. If you're, if you're wanting to be a wedding planner, I'm going to plug this real quick. Cause it's so important. If you're wanting to be a wedding planner specifically, okay. Instagram, Facebook groups, all the online stuff is phenomenal for building relationships. Do not sleep on it. But one of the biggest lead generating tactics that worked for me from day one was getting face-to-face with other people in my industry, in that community. So mix in the non-virtual stuff too. I think that is but important. man, is sure. the virtual stuff powerful. Holy mm-hmm. moly. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, and I do think, you know, in, in those groups, like how do you, how do you make yourself known in those groups? What are mm. some of the things that you're doing? Because I mean, for people to do business with you, they have to trust you. Right. And so you have to like build that rapport yeah. with somebody. Other wedding planners who are unavailable on a date that somebody has reached out to them for. We can't do all the dates. We can't. Yeah. We, you can't take all the clients. You can't. You shouldn't. Right. Right. So the people that aren't a fit for you because you just don't align. Like I'm never going to have the celebrity client. I'm never going to have the client who wears high heels every day of her life because I don't. Like that's not – that's just not me, right? Those people are better served by somebody else in my immediate community who does that too, who's great at that, who lives for the extra and the bougie, Right. I'm going to refer her and she's going to refer me and you can mastermind. And when you come across a difficult situation and you need help or God forbid you get sick or you get in a car accident and you need somebody experienced to step in and everybody on your team is just an assistant. They're, they don't know how to lead a wedding. Guess who you're calling? The other planners who own businesses in your industry. It's hard to do that and ask for help if you haven't made an effort to get to know them. That's a good point. So, and that can cross-reference to so many different things, right? Like, it's not an either or. It's an and. Like, you really, once you understand who you're, once you kind of do the work on, like, who is my ideal client? Who am I really serving? And what are my gifts? You start to see how easy it is to not worry about competition. Because you realize that it's okay if you're not a fit for somebody else or if somebody picks somebody else, like someone, somebody else's business over yours, like it's not the end of the world. There are more people out there. There are more clients. There's always more money. Yeah. And it opens up the space for the people who are ideally fit for you. A hundred percent. 
Well, awesome. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on all that. Um, okay, so we are wrapping up the show. We have um, three closing questions. Okay. What is one piece of advice you would give somebody who is wanting to step out and chase their dreams? Do it. Stop thinking. Just freaking do it. Go and do it messy. Now, I'm not saying to go and do it blindly or inexperienced. I'm saying to do it messy. If you're like me, you're a recovering perfectionist. All wedding planners are, or they're still a perfectionist. We're all type A. And it's hard to do that. I understand. But get enough of a game plan. Get Get some stuff under you and just go. Just do it. Right. You learn by doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do live by doing. Absolutely. Um, What is one book or podcast that's been very influential in your life? Oh, can I name two? Sure. Okay. Podcast, obviously the Jenna Kutcher podcast, the Gold Digger podcast. That's the Facebook group we met in. Um, It's been very influential for community that I've been able to meet like yourself, but also, I mean, talk about takeaways. Holy moly. There's so much in there. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that has just been very influential. And she's a mama like me and trying to, you know, not go crazy into the hustle culture life and all that stuff. So I just relate to right. a lot that she says. Um, yeah. So it's usually when she's having a conversation, the questions she asks or the things that she's curious about mm-hmm. are the things that I'm thinking. So it mm-hmm. just really is, it's a great podcast for me. Um, the book is Atomic Habits. Oh, that's a good you haven't? One. I know. Most people have read it, but if for some reason you've been living under a rock and you haven't, please go get it immediately. Um, and I'm also super excited. I just bought uh, Financial Feminist from Tori Dunlap. Oh, okay. Uh, she was a guest on Jenna Kutcher's podcast a few weeks ago, and I was obsessed. Obsessed. I think she I literally, that episode. Did you listen? Yeah, yeah. The quote, I fight the patriarchy by making women rich. And I was like, Oh, I love that. Who are yeah. you? I need to follow everything you do. <laughs> and I'm buying your book immediately. I bought it the next day. So I'm about right? to start that one too. So stay tuned because that could be also a book that I'm going to awesome. say I love. Um, well, and lastly, how do people find you? I love this question. Thank you for asking. So I, um, like we kind of dabbled in throughout this whole podcast. I am a business coach specifically for wedding planners. So if you are a wedding planner already or wanting to be a wedding planner and launch your own business, you want to find me at Becca Christine with a K Tuttle. That's my Instagram handle. Um, I'm sure that'll be in the show notes or something. Yes. I'll put it in the show notes. Great. And if for some reason you are on the other side of the spectrum and you want to hire a wedding planner and you're in the, I mean, we go anywhere, but Northern California area. Um, you want to find us on Instagram at the Becca and Co. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's such a great podcast, and I really appreciate it. It was so fun talking with you, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd be so kind and leave me a quick review, I'd love to hear from you. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Christy Winfrey. If you liked today's episode, make sure you click that follow button. And until next time, keep chasing those dreams, my friend. Remember, you are worth it.